it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. The road to the Super Bowl starts here and absolutely delighted and excited to kick it all off as we're joined once again by the best in the business. Welcome back to Shamash Podcast, Kevin Harlan. Thank you, guys. Always fun. I look forward to this every year. Um, as you know, we have a daughter who now is with her husband living uh, in Europe, in London. And uh, and so I even take more of an interest in the reaction uh, of all of Europe to the NFL. And it sounds like it's uh, it's got the kind of popularity over there that it, it has here. I don't know if you saw our ratings this past weekend. Uh, almost 60 million people watched both games. It's like th- these are numbers that they've never seen before. Amazing. It is fantastic how television and radio are growing uh, for the NFL, which is lovely. I think the same's happening here in the UK with Sky Sports, with ITV. Talk Sport, one of the big uh, radio channels, uh, carried your game at the weekend. So I was able to listen oh, to you at the weekend. Did they really? Oh, good. I'm glad to hear yeah. that. I'm glad to hear so, that. And I would, I would assume they'll, they'll probably carry the Super Bowl then as well. Absolutely. I'm certainly hoping so. I mean, it's, so it's terrific. So I was able to listen to you at the weekend. Just before we talk about that, just a congratulations on, on reaching your 500th TV gig with CBS. Oh. You would probably treat it like any other game, but I'm sure it meant something a little bit more. You know, you know I, I didn't know it, number one. I, I, I didn't even know that it was my 500th game. Uh, there are only uh, 10 broadcasters that have reached that level in the States. And of the 10... That, that includes uh, analysts and sideline reporters. I think four were play-by-play people. And so I'm in that, I'm in that group. And um, uh, it is not lost on me how lucky I am to be doing these games and, and to be with that kind of group and reach that milestone. To be lucky enough to be uh, a network announcer uh, for all these years, uh, incredibly humbling, uh, wonderfully gratifying, and I, I, uh, I, I uh, when I found out, I was stunned and, 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 and taken aback, actually, but, but uh, obviously thrilled, obviously thrilled and proud of uh, my, my, myself and the fact that, um, uh, you know, there's always got to be some uh, people that are supporting you. You stand on their shoulders. You, you uh, are supported at home. And my wife of 37 years has been with me every step of the way. So it was a it was a shared uh, uh, recognition. It was a shared recognition. A wonderful milestone to achieve, though. And and what's been a fascinating season as well. Now we'll we'll come on to the the postseason and the games that you've covered so far and what you've thought through the regular season. Though, is there a game that stands out as those that you covered as a favorite? One that you think right away? Do you know what that was? A real great game to do. Well, the, the NFC Championship game was was interesting, clearly, because of the comeback by San Francisco. and now sets up a rematch of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, Chiefs and Niners. And that that certainly was, was enjoyable. Uh, I enjoyed the game in Buffalo, where the Chiefs uh, were, were not probably looking to, to win. I mean, they were an underdog. They uh, were going on the road for the first time in a playoff game with Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid is... Is, is Chiefs, and, and they won it, and they, they beat Josh Allen, and everything was set up for the Bills to play well. The weather was nasty and windy and cold, and yet the Chiefs, for a second consecutive week, fought right through. So that was a memorable game. Um, we had a couple of Tua Tungavailoa games with Miami this year that were notable. We had that 70-point uh, game when they beat Denver by 50, <laughs> and that was setting all kinds of NFL records and coming close to breaking the all-time scoring mark and i mean there were so many things with that uh i will i will tell you that every week we we come to expect the unexpected in the league the players are so good the coaching is so great the execution is wonderful and and even a team that has you know a, a minimal chance of winning or doesn't have a lot of wins going in can pull the upset and um, and that's always intriguing. That that always that always fuels us. So you've always got to be prepared. And so I, I I don't know that I could say one game or of another. Every week had a special something. 
that, that made up that mosaic of our season. Uh, and I enjoyed them all. I really did. It's what yeah, makes the NFL so great, right? Is the fact that every single game is relevant. In regard of where the team right. is, there's something to draw out of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I did Aaron Rodgers' first game with the Jets. It lasted three snaps yeah. uh, opening weekend um, uh, after doing the, the, the night before in, in Los Angeles and, and trying to make sense of, you know, what you just saw. Rodgers, who was, that was the number one story coming into the season. Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets and three plays into the season, he's done. <laughs> he, he blows his Achilles. So, I mean, it began that way and, and then just continued. It's, it's uh, it was, it was kind of weird in some ways. Um, some weeks had a lot of possession to him. Other weeks didn't, but the bottom line is, is that the NFL is, is the most watchable sport. I think in, in so many ways in the United States, because as you just said, they're only 17 games. They're 18 weeks. College football has that same kind of feel, but the NFL is such a, there's such precision and mastery and and excellence that that you're you're going to see something that that just makes your jaw drop every weekend. Talking of things that perhaps you hadn't seen before or or heard before in this case, you had the chance to work with your daughter at the Dolphins Kansas City game and. And you threw down to her and she told the story about how Patrick Mahomes has a has a special box that warms the, the helmet that he wears <laughs> to keep him warm. That that was unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's a uh, – there, there are materials in the cushioning of the helmet. Um, some have, are filled with water, some with air, and some with, with other kinds of, of filler. But if that gets hard, it's like putting on a, a piece of concrete. So it's, it's incredibly uncomfortable. So on these cold games, when you see a player stick their helmet on those pegs or sticking out of the back of the heated benches, that's why, to keep them from freezing. And in Mahomes' case, he's got the radio in there with the contact, you know, getting the, the feedback from the coach and the play calls. And, um, and, and Patrick also wears a special helmet that is designed to prevent concussions and that is a relatively new uh, development those helmets cost well over a thousand dollars and pounds or in, in your currency they're they're expensive they're really expensive and so um he uh had that and then broke a helmet which i've never seen except one other time for a chicago bears middle linebacker who broke seven helmets when he played he had saw mike singletary but uh but this was actually a chunk out of Mahomes' helmet. And the, the, these helmets are like space age. Um, like like they, they say it's got the outer coating of of a of a of a aircraft, of a commercial aircraft. I mean, like it's 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 supposed to be unbreakable, but it broke. And clearly the weather and the temperature had something to do with it. But she was down there talking about that. She also talked about a the story about where the heated benches even began. And she I heard her on the phone digging the story up. Uh, she went Green Bay Packers historian, but the Packers were the first team to use a heated bench. And it was kind of a mom and pop operation in Green Bay. And they just kind of cut out these benches, made holes on the end, got these blowers, blew the hot air in there. And, and it was, I mean, it was like the three of us could make it, right? It was like, it was just done by some little manufacturing company in Green Bay. And now they're all over uh, they're all over the United States in terms of college and pro football may even be in Europe with, with, with cold temperatures over there for soccer, for football over there. So um, anyway, so she had some, she had some great stories and uh, we're very proud of her clearly that she's done a great job. She's coming back over to the States now with a group of, I think 20 plus people from sky uh, for their week long coverage from Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. But she did a nice job on those. And then she did the Detroit game the next week. So she, she had a nice little run here in the States. Which is great. For you being in the stadium for that game, obviously we heard a lot here about how cold those temperatures were. What are the facilities like for you at Arrowhead and places like that? Are you kept warm and toasty or are you out in the elements like the rest of them? Well, I'm a little embarrassed. Um, <laughs> there is only one NFL stadium with an enclosed radio booth in the, in the whole league. One stadium. And that's Arrowhead. 
Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so I don't know why it's enclosed. I hate it myself. Mm. Uh, we would have opened the windows had we had that opportunity. You don't want your voice bouncing back at you. And so our, our engineers have got to be really clever, and they are. And you would never know it if you didn't know it. Uh, but we were we were inside, which made me feel doubly bad for my daughter on the sideline, given these reports and no place to get warm. But uh, but she hung in there. But yeah, we were inside. One of the problems was, though. When you're talking that much and we're talking right at the window that is minus 28 degrees with the wind chill, uh, it was fogging up. <laughs> so we, we, we had people during commercial breaks that were taking ice scrapers that you'd use for the windshield of your car and off the condensation, which was freezing and the ice that was forming inside the windows. So it was, it was a real experience for sure. <laughs> That's fantastic. Let, let's fast forward to the championship game. Cameron being a 49ers fan, Kevin has been quite insufferable over the last few days. It's not true. Cameron should be proud. He should be proud. <laughs> I love that. You know, that little quarterback, he was a, he was an afterthought for so many teams, and and, and not to interrupt you, which I guess I'm doing, but but he, he like like he was the last guy drafted, and he was he wasn't on anybody's draft board, and the Niners say, you know what, we see something there, let's 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 draft him, and they did, and lo and behold, they say, oh my gosh, this kid's better than we thought, and last year as a rookie, halfway through the season, they put him in the put him in the in the game. And he holds on to the job, takes him all the way to the NFC Championship game, and then was hurt like early in the game. But steps in, he, he busted a tendon in his passing arm, his forearm. Come this year, still they had the pressure. Three-man battles, Sam Darnold and Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. He wins the battle. He takes him again to the NFC Championship game. And, oh, by the way, he's the number one rater in the NFL. He is a top five passer in yards and a top five passer in touchdown passes. So the, the, the kids answered everything. He may not have the, the great arm like Elway or Mahomes or Marino. Um, he may not have the speed and the elusiveness of Lamar Jackson or Randall Cunningham. But what he's got is a little bit of both of those things. Pretty good arm, pretty good maneuverability. And he's smart and he's a winner. And it's showing. So I'm happy for the kid. Yeah. I'm as well. I think one of the big plays in the game and, and listening to it, obviously Detroit came out the gate. They were terrific. They had a game plan. They ran the ball superbly well. They had the 49ers on their heels. One of the big arguments we've had over here, and I know in social media, et cetera, it's been argued, you're 24-10 up. You've got the chance to kick a field goal and you go four and two and you take the chance and you don't get it. If you get it, you're a star. If you don't get it, where, where'd you stand on that, Kevin? What would you have done? I didn't have as much problem with that because it was still early in the second half. They had a side, they had a two touchdown lead and they had the momentum in the game. And I thought, boy, they could really make a statement here. And if they don't get it, they still lead by two touchdowns and they're into, you know, the Niners territory and, uh, and they didn't get it. And little did we know that that would be one of those moments that you regret because not only would it have given them the lead um, uh, of 17, but then they kick off, probably force a touchback. Now you begin at the 25 and not at the, wherever they began, the Niners began that drive at the 35, 40 yard line, wherever it was. And so, and, and so now you say, okay, that was a win. Uh, you know, the, the, we, we hold them on fourth down. They don't get three points. And we, we come out and, and with all guns fired. And they did. And um, um, so uh, they had scored the Niners and scored the last time they had it. The first the possession of the second half. And now they, their defense holds. And that's when the momentum shifted. And then the result. So later in the game, they had a chance to tie – and they went for it. And that one, thinking a championship game on the road, I think going for the tie might have been advisable. But like I was saying today, another show, like it would have been against their DNA 
to to do that. It would have been against their whole philosophy of of how they manage their season. And all season long, they were going for plays like that. They were going for fourth and short. So it wasn't really obscure for the team. It was more like, um, yeah, this is who we are. This is what we do. And we'll live with the consequences. And unfortunately, they're living with the loss and a chance at the Super Bowl. So it, it was pretty costly. It's an interesting one because and we, we've we've talked about it a lot. There's there's definitely arguments on both sides of it. Dan Campbell, obviously, uh, you know, he is a new head coach. What's this his fourth season? Um, there's been progression every single year, uh, and like you say, they've kind of lived and died by that goal for it on fourth down. Will be interesting to see how he changes, if at all, next year. Does he ease back slightly if his team is perhaps more capable of? getting the win without having to go for it, does his philosophy change or does he remain as aggressive? And again, it's these stories and these, um, seeing the head coaches grow, seeing the offensive coordinators change and tweak and adapt. And I think that's the thing about uh, American football and the NFL that's so great is you could put the exact same roster of 53 men out next year and they'll cut it a different way. Uh, it won't be the same team that comes back. Uh, and there's so many things that come from it. Do you think Do you think that's something we'll likely see with Dan Campbell? Do you think he will ease off? Or do you think it's going to be continue to go for it? And that's the new Detroit way. No, I, I think that's what he is. I, I think he's a gambler. There, the analytics would also tell you that um, fourth and short is something you should always do. You get an extra play, an extra down, probably half the time you're going to get it. And that's worth that gamble. Of course, field position is everything, but we've seen even the great Bill Belichick go for it on fourth and short in his own zone. That's come back to bite him. Um, but when you succeed, you know, if you could rewind the tape and go back and have him convert that that uh, fourth and two and get the first down, um, I mean, it would have done wonders. I, the game may have ended completely on a different note. I mean, that, that would have instilled something in the Detroit Lions that was lost by not getting it. So that's how thin, that's how fragile the game is. It's one decision, one play can then set off a chain reaction. And that's clearly what that decision to go for it on fourth and two and not get the first down did. It, it, it changed the game and the momentum. Yeah, it was a big moment in the game. I mean, Personally, and I, and I said this bef before, I, I would have kicked the field goal because I'm perhaps a little bit more conservative. And I think in a championship game with three score leads, you know. But again, as you mentioned, Kevin, he's done it all season. It's the way he yep. likes to play. And I think it's been, I, I don't know about you, but it's, I think it's just been one of the great stories of the season. Has been, you know, the Lions and how everything's come back for them. I mean, they've spent such a long time in the doldrums. I mean, they were almost, they were almost a punchline for a while, which is never good for a franchise. Yeah. Great point. And, and they are, they, they were the sentimental team last weekend for NFL fans and to see the, the, the joy on the fans the week before when they beat Tampa Bay in the divisional round, um, the crying in the stands, the emotion, pure emotion, great elation uh it was it was something to really appreciate um and and you're thinking oh you know i bet that guy's dad took him to games when he was a little boy now his dad's no longer there and uh, his dad never saw the team get a chance to play for an championship um but his son is and i think there was a lot of that too uh, detroit is a very provincial city it's a great american city with an industry and uh, Automaking, as you know, and um, it, it like all cities in that swoop of Rust Belt towns along the Great Lakes, you know, uh, they've been hit with bad economic times like all industrial cities have. But that was a city that, you know, some, you wouldn't choose to live in Detroit. You, you go there because there's a good job. Maybe you went, maybe you grew up there, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go this because it's Detroit, unlike going to um, Boston or Dallas or Los Angeles or, or wherever. So the people that are there are people that want to be there and are proud of their teams, even in losses. And But when they won, you could tell it was more than just a win. It was like my mom and dad, who are no longer here, would have enjoyed this. They supported this team 
for decades and never saw winning seasons, never saw championship football. Uh, but I'm getting to see it. Um, and I'll carry on their legacy. And and uh, I'll think of them here in this moment that uh, we're all with the win over Tampa Bay to make it to San Francisco and play the Niners. So we turn our attention now to the big game coming up, uh, the Super Bowl. We, as we record this, are just over a week away, really a week and a half, I suppose, uh, until the big game. The repeat of four years ago, the 49ers played the Kansas City Chiefs once again. The Chiefs, I, I don't I don't like the narrative of teams getting written off, but perhaps there wasn't as much optimism about the Chiefs making it as there had been in previous years. Um right. But this is, you know, arguably the the top team in the NFC, uh, finished number one, versus just the most experienced and capable team in the AFC um, with the greatest quarterback that we've got and the new dynasty following hot in the heels of the Brady one. Ultimately, we were getting served up a cracker. So first and foremost, let's start at the big bit and go, who do you think has got the advantage in this one? Who's, who's, who's your tip right away? Well, I, honest to God, and I and I because I'm doing the game, I never like to pick a winner, but I but I do believe this um, from my heart. It's it's too close to call. Each team has got a good defense, and whereas the Chiefs may have the better quarterback, the more experienced quarterback, the Niners probably have better weapons. Offensive lines are kind of alike, but the Chiefs' best lineman is out now with a pet tear, and he's not going to play Joe Tooney, their left guard. Um, the tackles have had trouble all year. The Chiefs have been kind of clunky on offense. Um, San Francisco season had a three-game losing streak, and the quarterback, Brock Purdy, looked human. Um, so they're not perfect by any means, but in a very imperfect league where upsets can happen at the drop of a hat and um, um, good football is usually always played, but sometimes – um, it, it takes a while to get there in a game. Um, I, I do think this game is very close, too close to call. The revenge factor is interesting from Super Bowl 54 and probably will play a role to some degree in the determination and certainly the focus of the Niners. But the Chiefs are peaking at the right time. And, and I think that's, that can mean a lot. And, and I think we're in for a great, great game. Yeah, I think it's one of these games you could you could passionately argue for either side. I don't think there is much between them. When you get to the the, the venue and you know you mill around in the morning of the game, do you start to get a sense? You, you know that that's often I find as a commentator, you get, you start to get a sense of both teams and how they've prepared, and and, and how they're feeling going into a game. Do, are you able to get close enough to get that idea? Close enough, yeah. And then you read so much, and the, and the coverage by the press is amazing. And then, and then you've got the pregame warmups, and these players will get out on the field early before a game, especially the Super Bowl. And uh, body language can tell you a lot, and and how they're reacting to seeing maybe uh, you know a friend on the field with on the opposing team, whatever it might be. You pick up on little things like that. It's going to be in a in a very um, it's going to be in a perfect environment, very sterile environment. There'll be no wind. There'll be no temperature issue, no sun to deal with, not, nothing, nothing like that. So, you know, all those factors that can affect an outdoor game will not affect this one. But I, but I really do feel that the, the teams are, are very evenly matched. And if the Chiefs do go on to win this, they'll have won three and four years and only a handful of teams have ever done that. And um, I do believe this is a dynasty. And the good news for the Chiefs is their quarterback is only 28. Like, like in a lot of ways, he is just now entering his prime. Um, yet he's already been to three Super Bowls and about ready to go to a fourth. It's, it's a pretty amazing story. We've, you know, I mean, when, when you saw Brady play with New England, you thought, we'll never see a guy like him again. And then here, not too long ago, Mahomes comes on six years ago, and here we see not a, Bra a better athlete than Brady, better th thrower than Brady, but certainly a guy that, that has got that, that will to win, 
and just a great competitor. And that's, that's what they share in common. So, uh, but this game will be very, very equal. I, I, I expect it. I, I, is it like two and a half points or three points? I'm not even sure what it is right now. And it's, it, that changes fluctuates day to day, but um, this game will be close. I have no doubt about that. What does the build-up for you look like? Obviously, we see that the players go through a week of interrogation by the media, the press. They've obviously got to offset that against preparing mentally for the game. Are you out in Vegas for the full week? Do you go later on? Are you focused and spending time fully in the zone? Or do you get to enjoy some of the uh, uh, extracurricular events that go on around the Super Bowl? Yeah. Um, well, I'm in Boston right now doing NBA basketball and um, I'm going to go back home for a day. I'm going to fly out to Vegas this Sunday, uh, th- this Saturday night. I've got a speaking engagement with my pro- partner, Kurt Warner, the Hall of Fame quarterback. And then I'm going to get back on a plane, fly back home again. And uh, uh, later in the week, I'll go to Los Angeles to do a Laker basketball game in the NBA and then fly to Vegas on Friday morning before the Sunday game. When I land there, I go to an area called Radio Row, which is a combination of about 50 radio stations from around the U.S., a a lot of TV outlets, podcasts like this, uh, TV shows, interview shows for TV. Uh, Anybody who's anybody in media is usually there. And so you see friends, but you're also going from set up, set up to do quick interviews. So I'll be five minutes with this radio station in Atlanta. And then I'll move down and I'll go on. I'll do five minutes with the station from Orlando, Florida. And then I'll do one with L.A. and then on and on and on. And then that will be broken up by doing some TV hits uh, for the various outlets. So that's about a four hour day on Friday. And my brain is fried after that. I'll tell you, I, I, I go, holy smokes. I don't know who I've talked to. I don't know what I've said. I said, I don't know if I've lost my job by what I've said here this afternoon or not. But um, as it turns out, it, it is a nice, you know, you know what the best part of it, quite frankly, is uh, to get on there and they'll ask about the game, but then they're going to other stuff too. They've talked about the game all week. They want to talk about, um, Hey, uh, uh, where have you been? You know, they'll talk about the NBA or they'll talk about um, um, your podcast. Uh, you know, I'm doing I'm doing one from overseas and and that kind of thing. So it's it's a lot of fun. But you see people in the business that you don't normally see, and and I always enjoy that. I like I like visiting with people in our in our broadcasting business. In terms of the night before the game, I mean, you, you, as well as preparing for the Super Bowl, as you mentioned, you're preparing for NBA games as well, which is no small matter either, let's be honest. <laughs> Does that help because it takes your mind off the Super Bowl or, you know, or are we, are you, I don't want to use the word workaholic because that, that, that sounds wrong, but <laughs> you you love what you do. Therefore, I think being busy is what you want to be. Is that is that fair? No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's in a broadcaster's life, there's probably a, a, a sweet spot where everything is kind of clicking. Um, you've got the jobs you want. You're making a good salary. You're covering big games, and um, and I'm kind of in that spot, now, quite frankly. That um, um, it, it's it's harder and harder to be away. My wife, like I said, we've been married 37 years. She's known no other life except me going to games there there's a, a a pretty rigorous section of my of my season very hard i'll do a sunday nfl game for cbs television i'll go to the airport after the game nfl game i'll then fly to my monday night game site sunday night usually get in just before midnight um go to that stadium three four hours before the Monday night NFL kickoff, do that game on radio, national radio, go back to the hotel. And it's hard to sleep after these games. Um, I, 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 I can't fall, I can't fall asleep. So I invariably will roll around and cause I've got like a four o'clock wake up. Cause I've got to catch a 6am flight Tuesday morning after the Monday night game to go to my NBA game. 
uh, so three games in three different cities with no regard of location. Like one employer doesn't care about where I was the night before. They just care that I'm in their city that night of the game. So I'd be doing a, a Patriot game in Foxborough, have to do a Monday night game in Dallas, and then have to do my Tuesday NBA game in Miami and, and different time zones and a lot of travel. And that gets to be pretty tough. I'll be very honest about that. It's, it's, it, it's tough, but I do love the job. I just don't love all the travel, but unfortunately they kind of go hand in hand and you can't do the job uh, unless you travel. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you have any, any tricks for, you know, falling asleep on planes? Do you get rest where you can? I'm, I know not everybody likes to fly. That That's the other thing. Well, yeah, right. Uh, I, I, I don't sleep well on planes, so I usually work. I do find that I get a lot of work done on flights. There's no phone, nothing to distract me. I can just I can really sit down and get done what I need to get done. Um, but sleep is a big deal. I, I There are moments on my calendar that I'm getting none to just very little, which is frustrating. Uh, I have gotten on this kick, though. I got to knock on wood when I when I say this of of uh, of drinking half my weight in ounces of water, which I guess would be meters. Do <laughs> hydration, hydration. Am I right? Would it, liters, liters, meter. What would liters, liters, liters. I said yeah. meters, liters. Excuse me. <laughs> That's how dumb us Americans are. We couldn't, we couldn't, <laughs> we could not switch over to your way of thinking the way the rest of the world does it. If we were paid to do it, we couldn't do it. We'd get all confused. Celsius and uh, we'd oh, we'd be a mess. We're lazy. We couldn't do it. Oh my god. Um, but but so I've been drinking. I've been drinking uh, half my weight in water, and uh, I have found that being hydrated, uh, not for a broadcaster, is the perfect thing. Your body acts as a as a as a hydration machine actually and keeps your vocal cords moist and that's that's a, a great benefit right there um but two it 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 it, it when you, you usually get sick with a cold you're not drinking enough fluids water preferably and um and that's when you know things get that's when you get an infection get a you know a sinus infection whatever and that's when you get sick so I'm sure to wash my hands. The only thing I, I can't bank on is a lot of sleep. When I'm not working on an off day, I really try to get my, and I will linger in bed and try to refall asleep if I wake up a little bit early. I, I really will be selfish with those days and, and try to get as much sleep as possible. How does the different schedule of events for the actual Super Bowl itself come into play as well? Obviously, you will do a game. Your halftime will be such a particular set of time. You'll always obviously be focused on speech. Super Bowl, everything goes out the window. Halftime so much longer. There's obviously the bit the halftime show. People want to listen in. How does that change the rhythm of what you do? Uh, it is. It, it, it's, it's a good question. Uh, Forty-five minute halftime with the spectacle that is their, the halftime show with singers and, and everything else. This year it's Usher, and then he's got a, a, a number of other famous singers that will be up, performers that will be up there with him. And and that usually gets a giant rating. The ratings usually spike at halftime. Um, so um, uh, I, I don't handle it much differently. I, I, I'm, I pay particular attention to going to the bathroom, make sure that I'm, I'm doing that. And uh, making sure that I'm still drinking my water, and um, and and the and I guess the number thing I would say is don't lose your focus. There is a tendency when a game ends, which is natural, to like exhale, like now I can let my mind go to mush. And if you like, sometimes I get on planes after games, and I'll pull out some charts and stuff, and the, my person maybe sitting next to me will say, um, "Oh, were you at the game today?" And I said, "Yes." I go. Who won? And I'd have, I think, uh, <laughs> I do not know. I have a hard time naming the teams that played. It's weird. It's like weird. Like your like your mind is so engaged for the like the concentration level. There's going to be such a level 
that um, you cannot waver. I mean, you cannot lose your concentration. So the Super Bowl halftime being 40, 45 minutes long, um, you'd have a tendency to exhale. And, uh, and you got to be careful with that. And I was warned about it before I did my first and have lived by those words about really just whether I walk around, whether I, I, I listen to a couple highlights from the first half to make sure that I'm on my game, uh, any tweaking I might want to do, uh, talking to people. I, I try to stay pretty engaged. But that, coupled with the long game as it is, three-plus hours, yeah, that's a lot of concentrate. That, that's a lot of – that's the challenge. That's the challenge. Kevin, I'm going to the glasses because I'm going to quote you from a, an interview you did because I found this fascinating. Uh, you spoke to New York Post a few years ago, and you talked about the Super Bowl, and you said this. The last thing I tell myself is it's just another game, and I have to treat it like that. But this is the bit I liked, all while winking to myself, because if I build up too much, you can be stricken by fear at just how many people are listening and how these plays are replayed forever. That that sums it up for me. It, yeah, yeah. You're trying to treat it like any other game, but you know the words that you are going to say for the winning touchdown call or the, you know, your, your call on the, the, the field goal wide right, you know, for, yeah. for Buffalo. You know, these are the calls that people remember. And I don't I think I know some broadcasters try and script moments but I mean that's almost impossible to do in the NFL because there's so much that can happen you know so I presume it, it is that is that still true is what I'm asking you you know you look forward to it but you know the significance of it yes um I'll, I'll handle the last question first because I get asked that all the time because for some reason um uh, maybe because my IQ is so small, things pop into my head, and I just say it without even thinking. And and I, uh, I I've had some things that have been replayed over and over again. Um, I have found that um, if it's organic, it's always the best, or has has a true, genuine, honest appraisal of what's happened with my emotions and my words. If I wrote something out. I'd feel like I'm stealing or cheating or, or something. And it would probably sound that way. It would probably sound like I'm reading something. And there are guys that do that, and that's fine. But for me, I've always pretty much relied on, on my instinct and have it happen organically. And so I guess my answer is I don't write anything down. I mean, I write down statistics and things like that. And I've got notes uh, on my spotting boards. But uh, in terms of sayings or how am I going to end it or anything, I know I, I don't do that. I, I, um, I, I always think about how should I frame it in my mind. Now, I didn't think that kid was going to miss that, uh, that field goal wide right for Buffalo. But when he did, it was like, I go, you've got to be, you've got to be kidding me. He's missed wide right for an organization that is labeled wide right. I mean, like, you've got to be kidding me. So, um, and that, it was, I think that's probably what came out in that call. Like, it was like, that you've got to be, you've got to be kidding me. So, uh, and thank God, I mean, you know, thank God I didn't, I didn't let the, the cell slip out there, but I, I felt like saying it. It would have yeah. had, that have had real impact. <laughs> that would have had impact right to the unemployment line is what that would have had impact. Um, so, and, and then, and then, and then, you know, uh, um, before my first Super Bowl, uh, someone said, you've got, it, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's just a football game. And I have tried to remember that, um, that it's down in distance, uh, same components that I grade myself on every broadcast. When I go back and listen, I've got charts that I use and I, 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 I check the boxes and things that I feel that I have to say on radio. And I do it for TV, NFL, and for NBA basketball, too. But um, I think about that. That's what I'm concentrating on. At that stage, I'm not thinking about, uh, you know, a thousand storylines and statistics. I'm thinking about our broadcast. How am I going to deliver this game? And that kind of takes away any fear. I'm prepared. Uh, but, but by concentrating on what my job is, and my job, as Bill Belichick would say, just do your job. My job is not to spew out a bunch of facts and figures. My job is to report on that game for the radio audience that cannot see it. 
down, distance, location, who's got the ball, couple statistical notes about what a quarterback is doing in a game, where the ball is, what's the score, what has happened, where is it going, what's the – all those things that are so important for radio um, and, and people that are not watching. So, I, But, but at, at the same time, I say that um, when in that chair – and I put on that headset and I've just played the national anthem. Uh, I, I consider myself um, so unbelievably privileged to be in that seat and know that someone will sit in that seat well after me and have that same honor of broadcasting that game. And it is our, it's the biggest game in this country. Um, it's, it, there's not a broadcaster in the country that would not take my spot that Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas or any of the other places where the Super Bowl has been. And I think about that too, of all the broadcasters, the biggest names in the business who would be lined up outside our broadcast booth door wanting to do that broadcast. And so that's the kind of stuff that kind of keeps me um, um, not straight and narrow because I don't need that, but just, just, just present, present and, and intentional. And, and that is, that's kind of what I've ascribed to. Yeah, that's that's perfect. When, when it's all over, Kevin, and you know the confetti's coming down, and that that Super Bowl trophy is awarded, what what are you looking for from yourself? Is it just that I've done a good job? I'll go for a beer with with, with Kurt, and we'll, we'll have a nice time with the crew. Do you do you, do you allow yourself the time to enjoy it afterwards? Uh, I only enjoy it if I felt my performance was good and I've called the biggest plays the best that I can. Um, we do a replay show on the in the post game uh, after the broadcast after the game is over in our broadcast, and so I'll hear about fifteen to twenty highlights of the game, and I can get a pretty good gauge of how my day went after I've taken off my headset. I get a better gauge of how I've done once I've heard some of those highlights. And I'm thinking of things that personally I have to do. Was I deliberate enough? Did I set the down and distance? And whose yard line was the ball on? What's the position of the quarterback? Is there a thing I can throw in there about a receiver or a running back? What is the defense doing? Are there five in the secondary? Is Are there six guys? How many are rushing on the snap of the ball? Um, you know, some basic things that, that, guide me into a play and then you hope you've built up enough rhythm in that description where you have got your analyst has given you enough time to set the play up so you've built up your rhythm for that play that carries you through the play and then you can put a stamp on it and then get it back to him as quickly as possible the the hard ones are when the analyst talks right up the snap because now i'm thrown off kilter now I can't set up the offense. I can't tell you what the defense looks like. Um, I'm here's the snap. He goes back to throw. He gets a right tackle block. You know what? Like like. But when I can set up the play, I reestablish my rhythm. There's uh, football is is a march, and and here's the play by play segment, and here's the analyst segment, and here's the play by play, and when you've got those ten or twelve seconds where you're not saying anything, you're kind of reloading, watching substitutions because of all the sub packages. And all the things that happen, and um, and and so uh, it really helps me when I've got three, four seconds to set up the play because it gives me the momentum and the rhythm. I'm back in gear again to finish the play. Um, so, and then when there are weird things, if you talk slow enough and you're in a rhythm, and I say this again, knocking on wood, basically anything can happen, and you're ready for it. Because you're so, you're so focused in, you're so lost in, you're lost in the game. You're lost in everything about what you're supposed to do mechanically, what's going out on the field. And, and I have a pretty good feel that afterwards I've hit that, that spot that I need to hit. Sometimes you do it and sometimes you don't. It's no different than a guy, than a golfer that is having a good day off the tee or a bad day off the tee or, or a quarterback who's scissors or is just a little bit off. And as you know, broadcasters can be the same way. So you hope you've set everything up prior that leads you to be good off the tee and accurate with your throws. And in my case, accurate with my calls. 
I have no doubt you will be. And beside you, I know that, I mean, it was previously Boomer Esiason for the Super Bowl. It's now Kurt Warner. You've got two guys who you work with beautifully, and I think they get your rhythm as well. And I can't wait to hear the call. Thank you so much. We we look forward to it. I mean, this he, he has played in Super Bowls. He's won Super Bowls. He's been the Super Bowl MVP. But I do think he gets a big kick out of this stage of his, this chapter of his life, being able to commentate on the Super Bowl. He, he's one of a very few men that have been as accomplished. He's in Pro Football's Hall of Fame in Canton. He, he, he's, he's reached the highest level of playing, and now he gets to talk about it and admire from afar. And I do, I do think there is, there is some nice serpentipity for him that he can kind of go through that and live that and be a part of it still. So he, seeing the joy on his face, is infectious for all of us in the booth, for sure. Absolutely brilliant. Kevin, thank you once again for joining us. Um, we'll let you rest your voice. You've still got a lot of talking to America to do <laughs> before you get to the Super Bowl. But fantastic, you know, making history as well. First Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Uh, really excited to hear your coverage of it. Hope you have a great game. Um, and yeah, enjoy the whole experience. Well, I hope we can get you guys over here for the Super Bowl. Have you been to one yet? Have you guys been to one? No. Well, well, I'm, we... just, I'm sitting here going, we need to get to Radio Row at some point and get speaking yes. to you at Radio Row. Oh, my gosh. You guys would be the most favorite people for all these celebrities <laughs> and players to talk to. They would love talking to you and how much football means in your part of the world. Uh, they would love it. And uh, uh, I, uh, I hope that, that someday you can figure out a way to get over here and go to the game. There's nothing like it, really. Go to Radio Row, spend the week there, go to the game on Sunday, fly back home. Um, I, I, I think it would be a week for forever. I think you'd really, really enjoy it. Yeah, definitely on the uh, bucket list, for sure. <laughs> it, it would be incredible. I just need to convince the, the folks at Radio Scotland to send me, which would be <laughs> fantastic. Kevin, before you go, I've got one very quick question for you. Um, you, you mentioned that your, your son-in-law plays in the British Basketball League. Um, sometime mid-September, I'm making my debut as a basketball commentator oh, um, on the, the women's British Women's League. Um, very, very quickly, what, what what's a couple of key things that I should look I've never done basketball before. I've watched it. I understand it. What's the key to a good basketball broadcast? Well, I think um, having a partner who you like and it's kind of like a running conversation. Football's like a march, like I was saying. Basketball has a feel of kind of a running conversation. So yep. you've got to call the play, but there's a shot clock, and you can um, have, uh, I call them darts, when I want to stick in a, a quick note on a player in the midst of a play. I, I call it a dart in the in the play-by-play -play flow uh, that I listen for in my own thing which i kind of it kind of fills in i'm kind of spackling some openings i'm filling in gaps uh as a guy or a woman might be dribbling the ball and not a lot's going on and then more of a hard play by play the closer you get to the end of the clock or if you can see a play beginning to materialize maybe a harder play by play paraphrasing what you see and sometimes just saying here's the jump shot by cam and lay out they can see the baskets good or no good rebound by jones and um, um, so a couple things that they can see, but, uh, but, but the other parts that are like a, like a running conversation with your analysts, whereas in football, uh, you've, you've kind of got to stick with the play and then get out and then let him talk and get out and then you talk. Basketball, it's kind of it's intertwined and it can be real beautiful that way in the way it sounds, uh, but, but paying attention to the game and the trends and all those kinds of things. And I always, I always try to come back from a commercial break with, I, I, I call them in your terms from radio Scotland or B, uh, BBC, what would the lead be on the newscast? And the lead might be uh, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics has put in 27 first half points. Celtics have never trailed that. That would be a lead. We, I say an AP lead for the associated press, but, yep. but that would be, so you're constantly keeping the viewer up to date on what's going on, but still delving into different areas of the game and, and, and doing the game and just and, and not getting too far off track 
and talking about things that have nothing to do with the game. I think the the best broad, broadcasts are the and the best things to talk about are the things right in front of you. And so talking about about the game you're doing and maybe putting in a statistical uh, point here and there about why a game is uh, in the state it's in, why why it's a lead or a deficit, whatever it might be. But um, you'll enjoy it. And there's a bit there's a lot of rhythm in basketball, man. There's um, like I I I I think about you know like I get down in that shot clock and 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 people go what do you when you talk about rhythm I'm like what do you talk about I said well here's an example let's say let's say it's it's uh, uh, here's Westbrook on the baseline he's picked up by Lillard shot clock at five he throws back up on top Nurkic the three no rebound taken by Adams you know like so you can you know the, the, because the, the game has rhythm to it basketball is very rhythmic it has a pacing to it and a cadence and you don't have to do it the entire play but you can do it for a couple seconds leading up to a shot or a miss or a rebound or a steal or whatever it might be but then there's a lot of parts you feel with that conversation and and you get a feel for it after a while and 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 uh, but you'll enjoy the experience for sure i know I really appreciate that. It's going to be a first for me. So I've got, we've got a test broadcast and if that's successful, we've got two live games coming up after that. So good for we'll, you. Good for you. We'll give, we'll give it a go, but that, that's great advice. I really appreciate that. I'm going to say great insight and career advice. Everything on this podcast. Absolutely <laughs> everything on this podcast. <laughs> I, I've written it all down. Don't you worry. I've written it all down. <laughs> I, I know when I'm getting good advice. Don't worry. <laughs> Brilliant. Kevin Harlan, once again, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Our listeners really appreciate it. Um, this is kicking off our Super Bowl preview. Um, a couple of shows we've got coming up. So what a great way to start. Thank you. And hopefully we'll speak to you again very soon. My privilege to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care and enjoy the game.